I was a grown adult our age, not know any songs from Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> what if Marky Mark didn't have the Funky Bunch? <laughs> then he wouldn't have music. <laughs> <laughs> then he would he would just have his looks, his his chiseled chest to go off. Yeah, because it's funny as up until like the Funky Bunch start singing, I was somebody's like I don't. I made a reference to Marky Mark, and they're like, "Who? Like M- Marky Mark? Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> Marky Mark? Yeah." And they're like, "I don't, I don't know any of these." I was like, "You're, you're older than me. Why? How do you not know that?" That's probably what it is, right there. Well, not much older. <laughs> and and um, and they're like, "I don't, you know." And then I started playing good vibrations which is uh, i'm assuming probably his most popular song probably and it's mostly not him <laughs> which is probably why it's the most popular song yeah so. it's, pr- it's pretty funny there was a there's a uh a yard sign in my neighborhood that talks about it's like one of those presidential yard signs but it says you know the wu-tang is forever <laughs> and my wife's like what's wu-tang <laughs> you're like how do you not know like which rock did you grow up under yeah had to be there i guess had to be there isn't that the story yeah of every generation you had to be there good thing was is that when i started playing it they're like oh yeah yeah i know that song Mm. like well then how'd you not know it was marky mark you do realize that you're still letting me down here (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) Hilarious. That's a that's a good story for the for the day right there. How do you not know Marky Mark? Is it is this what you're typing into a chat somewhere right now? No. No. <laughs> it should be, but no. So what's new? Uh permit was submitted. Finally. Woo. What so, was the what was the original date that, that was supposed to go in? Oh, the original date? December of nineteen. Oh my gosh. And then changes happened. <laughs> lots of them. <laughs> and uh so yeah, lots of changes. That's awesome. The story of architecture. You know, well, we have this person to listen to and this person to listen to and this person to listen to. Oh, there's a so, new person. Got to you know, listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you're like wouldn't it be easier if you got them all in the same room so they could talk about the same building together? Oh, no, no, no. We can't do that because of this and that and the other thing. And you're like, okay. Number one, their schedules don't align. Number two, they don't like each other. <laughs> Number three, they're not supposed to know that this person is involved with it yet. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that other group can't know what this group's getting. And oh my gosh, that actually in lab design, as you know, this, it's everything has to, you know, the parody, it just, I mean, everything has to be the same. Mm-hmm. You're like, I, I've heard stories and have seen stories or experienced stories where a PI will measure their office and measure the adjacent office and say, why is their office two inches bigger in X direction or Y oh direction? Oh my God, you You're petty like, PI. Like, are you kidding me? Like, are are they? I don't know. Ask the contractor. Jeez, are they two square feet? Are they two square feet better than me? Well, at Uh, this point in time, just because you're bringing this up, I'm going to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. My wow. goodness. Yeah, there's amazing amount of politics and amazing amount of politics with that kind of thing that you have to keep these groups separate and keep the communication separate and get to get on the same page. And yeah, it's so political. Can be. It can be. There was one project where we were basically the guy dropped out of this particular project because we weren't giving them elevator access to the roof so that they could release radioactive isotopes into the atmosphere. Mm. Like, well, why would you want to? Yeah, yeah. And and when when would that be okay? Exactly. That's a signal of uh, progress right there. Wow. So so you got your permit finally. Uh, you're no, no. you're only no, no. you're only we a got, year late. We no no we only submitted for. Permit. Oh sorry sorry you're right you're right. Oh no it's still a six month process for <laughs> review of this. So this previous submittal was December 2019. Yes. And now we're in February 2020. One. One. <laughs> Don't forget so, the one. A little over a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean... So significant uh, changes or no? Um, when you had a four-bay loading dock that went down to two bays, and this was on the front of the building, and then everything kind of had to respond to the deletion of those two and all sorts of like little little things that mm-hmm. kind of were... It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll just get rid of that. On, on the surface, just getting rid of that, that's fine, but... It's at ground level. Mm-hmm. You have two floors below that, and you have structure and everything else and all of this other stuff. And then you've got the 14-plus floors. I mean, if you count the mechanical penthouse and all that other stuff, it's a 15-story building. It just uh, um, every little thing that you change has a cause and effect. Yeah. But, by the way, since you were asking about that, you know how you had your electrical rooms here? Can you move them over there? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Can you come in on the weekends? You need to come in on Saturday. <laughs> so, geez, man. So, Evan, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. Wow. Nothing ever changes. And then as soon as it gets built, you know, they'll want to change the interior to a TI. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So take, take me through like a, a meeting that you had with, or let, let's just, let's just paint a picture here because I think this is one of those things when I have a good story about that kind of thing where continually kind of talking through with the client or the, the user group, let's call it for this particular space, uh, over PDFs and plans and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, 2d representation, and yep, that's what we want. That's what we want. Okay. So finally it's like, you know what? Like let's, we're testing out. This was a, f- a few years ago. Let's test out this VR system. Let's put the, the client into there. And, and this happened to be a culinary teaching space. And so, mm-hmm. uh, they put a, you know, the, the, the head, uh, instructor into the VR headset, put them into the space and they're like, why are there three sinks in here? And they're in like different locations. They're like, well, that's what you asked for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, you know, you got to be a little bit uh, gentle with that kind of a thing. So you can't just say, right. because that's what right. you said, right? You have to say, well, this is the layout that we, you know, have been working through and agree, you know, it's like, well, we don't need this here and we don't need that there. And let's re-. And it was so different. And I guess that's that's my point is is typically people can't, 
you know, laymen, non-architects and people who work in our industry, they just can't read drawings, right? And it's not their right. fault. It's right. just how it is. <laughs> and they don't, it's so interesting to see the complete transformation of them in a visual environment versus a, you know, a 2D representation environment. And I'm just wondering, like, how did architecture get so far in 2D uh, with these plan sets and and buy-in from owners and user groups and all these things and how much frustration has there been and how many changes have there been how much construction waste has there been modifying things after they've been built like throwing away completely good construction materials to modify it for the real use that if only the communication style could have been better to get those ideas across so that they knew exactly what they were getting uh that that's a it's amazing to me how many people still ask the question, should I be doing VR? Should I be doing 3D renderings? And it's not to say it's easy, but it is to say that your job is to communicate. Your job is to communicate and get buy-in and, and gain consensus and get these things done. And and I would also say be responsible with construction materials and waste and redo and timelines and budgets and all those kinds of things, right? So it it seems to me like that it's it's not even something you should be talking about you should just be doing it so when you guys meet with these people and you and you i mean obviously deleting to uh you know loading docs right doesn't doesn't really change you know yeah delete right you know in the computer you're not working with gravity you're not working with structural <laughs> loads you're not working with forces you're not working with utility stacking necessarily it's it's like diagramming at that point right so yeah it looks like we could do that and then you start to unravel the whole right oh my god look what this is going to do to hit this and look now we got to reroute that and oh now we got to figure this part out and and you kind of start to see that snowball effect happen as you work through those changes but i'm wondering like when you when you guys are are talking with the PIs and you're talking with the, the user groups and stuff. Are you guys working visually? Or are you working in 2d? Like, especially but now it, during it, COVID, I mean, I would assume that it's, it's just all on the screen, right? It's not in person at all. Honestly, they try to get as much information kind of because we aren't there to walk through and show them and maybe, and maybe like hold up some materials or things like that. We'll have a 2d static plans and, and things to kind of take things through. And then we'll switch screens and we'll switch them to, say, landscape uh, and we'll we'll walk them through certain spaces. But, you know, even even that, you know, when you're looking at it on a screen, mm-hmm. it still is yeah. a little bit foreign to Degrees them. So, of separation, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's better than just showing them a picture. We we basically will take, you know, a walkthrough with Enscape through Revit, and then we will take um some Photoshop renderings that we, you know, we'll export out of, out of Revit and then we'll take it into, you know, 3d max or whatever else. And we'll start making all of our different renderings out of, and, and those help too. But, you know, like VR, especially right now is so much easier to do, especially in complex spaces. And so that you really understand what you're really looking at. And like, so, so say if you have like we have like a double height space. Well, you know, in, in a way it's almost a triple height space, but it's kind of stacked and it's open in certain areas and it's kind of compressed in others. But to really kind of understand that space, 
because it's the lobby, you know, you you want to walk through the front door. You want to walk into the kind of condensed vestibule and then let it expand a little bit. You want to walk up through that. You want to walk exactly, and 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 honestly, it's really kind of hard to do that in the virtual world right, right now, right. unless you're sending somebody. You know, hey, uh, you know put this link in here and you know here we're we're sending you some goggles and you know that you can drop your phone in and and do whatever or you know or however an you want it or something or an animation and and even that you know sometimes i mean we've we've you know hit or miss with animations too sure we we try to you know do as many animations as possible to really kind of tell the story but there's a lot of times when you almost have to feel like you're in the space before you really understand what it is that you're you're looking at you know, it's like, oh, let me turn the corner, and why do you have a rounded edge here and a square edge here? It's, oh, okay, I get it now. I see why that is, and you know, just like the little things, and it really is kind of hard to to kind of convey that. And we and we've we've had to do this, you know, on, on many of our redesigns, we've had to do everything virtually, virtually everything virtually, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just and it, it's really kind of hard, you know, it's like a lot of times we'll find ourselves repeating ourselves. A lot of times we'll go back and kind of like back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you get what I'm, I'm showing you here? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do. Or no, can you go through it again? And it's, you know, I, I don't fault them for, you know, wanting to go over it several times because you know, if you're sitting in your computer and you're staring at your screen and you're not kind of immersed into it, I mean, we, you know, we've, we've, Let's see all the different deliverables that we've had for this. You know, we've done site plans or, you know, a, a site model, con, you know, contextual model where you know, we've got like a physical model built into it that you can kind of interchange the massings and things like that. But then it's got all of the context. So so you can kind of feel it and understand it and stuff. And then we've got an even larger model where we actually have like, you know, this is what the fenestration is going to look like. You know, here is a here's one with a. Uh, frit pattern on it. Here's one without a frit pattern on it. You know, and here's all these different things that we do, as well as the 2D static images, the 3D walkthroughs, and all of that other stuff, so that they can fully immerse themselves without having a built building to really understand what it's going on. So we try every trick in the book to get them to understand and buy in, and to not be able to take at least a portion of that away from us. It's been challenging. Um, I, I'll say that you know we have had some some bit of success with it because we do at least have the opportunity to like kind of walk through them, and since they've known it, and they you know, will send them the model so that they have the model with them and and stuff like that. So, but man, is it tough? Yeah, and going back to our last conversation about you know a fifteen sheet set of drawings and no, yeah, and just thinking about what it. Back then, it was a perspective drawing in pencil, right? That was it. That's all they right. got. <laughs> and it was, I mean, nothing there, even close. And so how did the convincing, like, it, there was just seemed maybe there was there was a higher level of trust. And now we, we go overboard to over-explain everything and make sure because construction changes are so costly. And there's so well, much scrutiny placed on that. Y- yeah, and you and you just said it, and you said it last time when we were talking about this. It's the level, the level of trust. I mean, now, I mean, because everything is so easily accessible. I mean, you know, oh, would be up a three D, you know, rendering of this or that or whatever that they can kind of see it and you know and understand a little bit more. Whereas back then, you know, back in the day, mm. they were able to, you know, really you know, the architect had to convince them. 
architect had to, you know, say, buy in on this trust. And um, a lot of times we just, you know, we, we, you know, I, I don't know if we're either any good at or bad at. There's a gap in the level of trust. Let me restate it that way. There's a gap in the mm. level of trust because they either we don't convince them that this is the right thing to do or we inundate them. And here's an, another problem. We inundate them with so many options that we're not even committal to the, the right direction or the best direction. And so when we, you know, aren't there to convince them, you know, if we haven't even convinced ourselves that this is the right move, how are they going to be convinced of it? Right. Yeah, there's there's a, a level of leadership that needs to happen there. I think a lot right. of times, and you have to read the client. Obviously, this just doesn't apply to everybody. But there's there's a lot of clients who want to be led through that, and they exactly. want to be shown what the best choices are because you're the expert. And there's other ones who just want to make all those decisions every single time. But right. I would say that you should default to the leadership style because that is going to get you to the finish line faster if you can make really solid recommendations and back those up with data. Data doesn't have to mean a spreadsheet. It could right. mean a it could it could mean an experience in VR. It could mean a rendering. It could be these things. But uh it does kind of I think come back to what you're saying is there does seem to be kind of a lack of leadership through the process where it is like, well, what do you think? A or B? Like it's totally up to you. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, a lot of clients like, oh, if it's totally up to me, then I want to see something different or I want to see a yeah. mix of those things or I want to see a little bit of that one and a lot of that one mixed together, right? So yeah, I can I can sympathize with, with that process, but it's, it is pretty painful to go through. And to kind of not have a point of view as the expert, I think is is leaving way too much on the table and a, kind of leaving the process open for total uncertainty at so many, so many levels along the way. So this isn't anything they teach in school, right? no, like, no, like you kind all. of get hardened and, and that, I mean, maybe that's not the right word, but you, you do learn how to present, but you're presenting to people who understand what they're looking at and you're presenting not very much detail and you're not giving people options. So you're not getting trained in this at all. Like you're, you're showing the choices you made period. Right. And hopefully right. you're being able to show how you got there. But, but when you're, you're not giving it, you're, there's no client, right? So you're not giving them options about things, but then it seems like when we go into professional practice, it's like, man, options up the Yahoo. Exactly. Yeah. Option nine B, right? I'll take, I'll mix a little bit of nine B with 19 T and, uh, <laughs> exactly. You're like, um, can you get, you know, one, a, uh, a three B, a, do you want um, seasoning on that? <laughs> it was just <laughs> a little spice. Yeah. It's, the variations of options, that's where things exactly. get really complicated. How about a 13Z? Well, and this is where the whole like generative design hype that Autodesk is really pushing amongst others gets mm. frustrating, right? Because like we know we've been through this where it's like, man, yeah, we've got nine different schemes and within each scheme there's several variations and because we could go this direction or we can go that direction and that's when it's totally out of control and you never want to actually get into that situation. But now you're talking about generative design and it's like, well, there's a thousand options for you to choose from. You know, we call it optioneering and it's it's fantastic because it gives you all these 
possible starting points, and then you can select by criteria and narrow those down to. And it's like, yeah, but really, I mean, that it it opens up this world of okay, this is all based on the constraints that you designed. Hopefully, they were right. Um, and and here are a bunch of subtle options or not so subtle options within the criteria that you defined and the the you know the selling point is they say well it's going to give you stuff that you couldn't have thought of or you know you could have only generated two schemes in that time and it but it basically is taking all of your designer experience out of the equation right and it's solely basing it on constraints that are pretty much mathematical right like they're right they're geometric right. constraints or they're zoning constraints or hard-coded constraints because they have to be man it's a i think it's kind of a mess right it's like as clients ask for data-driven decisions that may be a starting point but i don't need a thousand of them i can guarantee you like 900 of them are bad options right so it, it is kind of a i don't i don't necessarily need more options i think every time you go into a client like you really actually just want to have like here's the solution right yeah exactly you know and and I was, we went through this with a, um, uh, we, you know, we had one of those, um, like presentation coaches come in. So obviously I did a really good job because, you know, with it. Um, but he was just like architects. I don't understand because they come in not with like this declarative, this is the design, but they come up with all of these options and they present all of the, let's just say throwaway options first and then they say and this is where we got to like why don't you just go straight to and you know we looked at all of these different things however what i'm going to show you is you know kind of the conglomeration of all of those six it's the best now now if if you say well did you think about this yeah you can bring it up and at least talk about it because you did do the optioneering you did do the you know the iterative designs on you know numerous different you know thousands of of different iterations and so you can speak to what the you know pros and cons of that particular thing is but when you you know just come in and you say well let me let me show you all of these different options but we don't really like those options we like this option and then you've sold them on a bunch of stuff that they might be developing in their own mind okay yeah i do like that um, oh, this is interesting. And then you say, and this is the, you know, the final solution. And you're like, well, is it? But you just talked about all of these other things. Right. Like, no, go in there and present the idea. That's that leadership part. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, we, we all Crazy. do it. We do. We, we go in with these, here's our three options. The royal we. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. Typically three options, right? Why three? Exactly. Well, you know. One's not enough. Two, you know, you seem a little wishy-washy. You couldn't commit to, you know, the 50% or the 50%. But three, you know, now you've really done a lot of work. I guess what it comes back to for me is that, yeah, you do go through all that, but it doesn't mean you have to show it all, right? And because when you are going through that process, you are learning. And you probably are going to come up with a better scheme if you keep trying. At least you're initial kind of intuitive approach you should try to break it right because maybe it's great but maybe it's not so try to break it and come up with other very different or whatever you know just just try to do something that that breaks it or goes in a different direction or whatever but you don't doesn't mean you have to show all that stuff 
yeah, I mean, your, your gut feeling may be right, but you've got to test it yeah. and you've got to, you know, quantify it with a bunch of other, you know, you have to do the research. You have to figure out, well, is it the right, you know, solution? I think or, that's probably the thing that bugs me the most about optioneering as a, you know, this generative design term mm-hmm. is that you going through the process learn a lot by doing that and you get to apply yeah. that. And I think by just testing out a bunch of different things without really, you know, it's not learning, it's not teaching itself. Um, and, and that's, it will definitely get there for sure if it's not there mm-hmm. already. But, right. you know, kind of on the surface level that we're talking about right now with with the, the generative design optioneering stuff that we're seeing, it's just like here here's all of the sliders in every different possible configuration. Boom. That doesn't show me that you've learned anything along the way. And I think that by <laughs> right. removing that piece of this equation, it really does start to take away from the purpose of the architect, of the designer in that. And and to me, that's that's the biggest piece missing from that. And I think that you can't not uh, look at that part of it as probably the key component to coming up with a successful design. I'm sure I can push back on that. But. Oh, well, yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, you know, you go in there with, you know, 30 different slider ideas and then you're like, okay, well, what do you think, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Owner? What's important to you? Yeah. You know, what's important to you? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I mean, do you, aren't you supposed to tell me what's, you know, what is the right solution, the wrong solution and anything in between? I mean, uh, I, I could go in and say, well, you know, sliders are, this is the one slider that we just chose on because the constraints that we have are, needs to meet an STC criteria. No, we don't need it to swing into the path of travel because we don't have that 50% clearance mm-hmm. on all of these other things. And, you know, so you, you go through the, the rattling down of like all of the different reasons why you chose it, if that's, you know, part of your narrative. But at least what you're trying to say to them is that, hey, I, I, I did the research and this is what I feel like is the best solution for that. And they're like, okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, make it easy for them to make a decision. Right. Yep. Totally. You know, in, instead of coming in and saying, okay, well, here's 30. Which one do you like? Yeah, make <laughs> them feel confident in their decision too. Right. Make them feel confident in the fact that, you know, you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, generative design for everybody? Generative design for nobody. <laughs> or leave it at home because... Yeah, there you go. I like that. Leave it at home. You can do it. Just limit uh, you, you, the exposure. You should, we should do it. I mean, that's what conceptual design and design, schematic design is all about. But you don't Exploring. literally have... Yeah. You literally don't have to bring everything and the kitchen sink to them to present to them and say, see... See, we've been working. We've earned our, you know, we've earned what we've been billing to you so far. Mm-hmm. I think that might be it. You think that might be it? Mm-hmm. That we're trying to prove, like, we, we've actually, like, done yeah. what they've asked us to do? <laughs> I think so. I think it's like, well, look at all these hours that we spent. Here's what we did. Yeah. And so it's justification from that kind of point of view. And, and ultimately, like, no one's going to remember those hours that you spent doing all that. Right. No. They want to see the outcomes. Exactly. (sighs) That's it, man. 